NCAA season has come to a close, and a former Maine goaltender came up huge for the Boston Bruins this week. But the big focus that we're going to be focusing on in this episode and in the coming days ahead, NHL trades. So 264 of the Lace Them Up podcast starts right now. It's time to lace them up. Here's Brett and Steve. And welcome to the show, ladies and gentlemen. I'm Steve Ellsworth. I'm Brett Buff. By the time you're listening to this episode, the trade deadline will already be in progress or it'll have already wrapped up. So just as a disclaimer, um, these, the trades that we're going to be talking about happened from April the 7th to April the 11th at 2.38 p.m., the time we're recording this. And then the rest of the trades will be talked about in detail uh, next week, uh, April 18th, when we record uh, the trade deadline episode. So just a disclaimer. But before we get into that, Brad, we have some more NCAA news to break down. Yes. uh, Well, in exciting news for all you Massachusetts natives, um, the uh, UMass Amherst, they uh, won the championship. They won the whole shebang and things. It was um, it's it's really impressive, considering the fact that like on Thursday morning, we got this news that uh, like four of the key guys for UMass, including the starting goaltender for them, um, had tested positive for COVID. Um, so I was just thinking like, okay, we'll just you know we'll probably just lose to Minnesota Duluth and you know whatever I guess. Um, but then it turns out they win in this barn, well, sort of barn burner, but it wasn't really a barn burner. It was more of a, a really close game all the way through, um, you know, and it went to OT, and UMass gets the OT winner. Um, and then, um, and so it was impressive on that part. Uh, then they go and play St. Cloud State, um, who, you know, defeated Minnesota State in the Frozen Four. And um, UMass just destroyed St. Cloud. Like St. Cloud was hardly in it, even at the beginning of the first period. It was, it was just all UMass all the time. What's also really funny about this team is that two years ago, this UMass Amherst team had Kale McCarr. You might have heard of him. Um, and then uh, last year, uh, the UMass team had John Leonard who's now making a name for himself on the San Jose Sharks this year. Um, and and they don't have either one of those guys now. And all of a sudden, like, when they get rid of those, like, two NHLers, they get, like, they they start to win the championship. It's just, and, it, and not to mention the fact that they lost, like, four guys to COVID um, during the semifinals and they came back to win it all. Um, it's just it's just so impressive, and it speaks to how much their um, how much their like their depth, how good their depth is. Is that like the goalie uh, for the Frozen Four? His name is also Matthew Murray, which is kind of funny. Um, but um, uh, uh, so like, if he's ever in the NHL, I'm sure there's going to have to be a way to uh, figure that out. But uh, Philip Lindbergh was the goalie for. Uh, UMass who got tested positive for um, 
COVID. He's a Minnesota Wild draft pick from 2019. I'm sure he's getting some attention now. Um, so that should be interesting to see when he, what happens with him because he was good last year too. Um, so, um, yeah, we'll see that. Bobby Trevingo is another one who, um, who did pretty well. I think he's – let me just double-check. He's – undrafted yeah he's uh he's undrafted so i'm curious and he's a senior so i'm curious to see where he'll sign oh no, no he's a junior but i guess he could technically sign uh to uh another nhl team right now if he wanted to uh, but um and also it's funny too because i see that they have a guy named matt kessel on their team um and there's no relation to him and phil kessel um but it's just funny that they have a guy named Matt Kessel. Um, and yeah, I actually watched part of the game. Um, it was uh, the guy, uh, let's see here, Philip Laganoff um, had this really, really good shorthanded goal. Like he like basically dismantled like two defensemen and the goalie at the same time. It was. And that, and like, that was a pivotal goal. I think yeah. it made it three nothing or four nothing. Oh yeah. It made it three nothing, but it was like, it was one of the nastiest goals I've ever seen in like a, a championship game. It was, it was pretty good. Um, especially for a short handed goal like that. It was, it was nuts, but, um, yeah, this is, it's a good team and I'm, I'm just excited that the, like, uh, UMass is Massachusetts is back on top. I can't really claim them as a part of Boston cause their Amherst is about like three hours from here, but, um, but yeah, I'll take credit for Massachusetts and, and all that stuff. And it is just funny that this team used to have Kale McCarr and John Leonard and they didn't win when those guys were on the roster. So it's just funny. I guess those guys are just scrubs. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, obviously big news for the University of, of Massachusetts, especially when you consider what happened before Greg Cargill took over that program. Like, it's night and day difference compared yeah. to five years ago where this team is. Um, this national title, um, one to reiterate that, uh, they were on the cusp of the title game in 2019, so they were like, they were getting there, but they weren't there yet. Um, here's how bad they were before Craig Garble took over. 2012-2013, they went 9-16-2. Then the next year, 2013-14, they were 4-13-3. Only four wins on the year. 2014-15, a little better. They had five wins, and they went 5-15-1. and 2015-16, regress, only win two games all year, 2-16-4. And, and then Greg Carville's very first year, they were 5-29-2 and, and on a 17-game losing streak. And now to defeat Minnesota Duluth, a team going for a three-peat in the semis in a tight overtime game, Without four of their key players due to COVID protocol, including their starting goalie, Matt Murray, people talk about how good he's been for them. He wasn't their starting goaltender. Um, Philip Lindbergh, I believe his name is, yep. um, was putting up ridiculous stats as well. And probably one of the most untalked about goalies when you compare him to like Jack LaFontaine and Dryden McKay and how good they were. Yep. Um, probably the butt end of those conversations. But Lindbergh, in his own right, was pretty good for them. Yep. So the fact that they were able to overcome all of this adversity over the past couple of seasons 
and are now on top of the college hockey landscape. It's pretty something. And just a real tip of the hat to everyone who played a role in that program, all the players, all the coaches, and to everyone who attends UMass. I'm sure they're happy as a clam right now. This is a big moment for them. For sure, for sure. Yeah, Philip Lindbergh, as I mentioned, he was a 2019 seventh round pick by the Minnesota Wild. Um, <laughs> so I'm, I'm curious to see how he does. But yeah, I'm looking at his stats right now. Like even like the year before that, it was pretty impressive. And his freshman year was also impressive too. Yet he He's never had a higher than a two GAA while he's been at UMass. Um, and his like save percentages are are impressive too. He had a, um, like, let's just say I'll take a look at his sophomore year, um, where he he played in 18 games. He had a 1.91 GAA and a save percentage of 927. That's pretty good, right? Um, that (laughs) turns out that was his worst season. So at, at UMass, (laughs) the other ones, he was better, uh, his freshman year, he had a 160 GAA and a save percentage of 934. This year, he had a 949 save percentage and a 1.24 GAA, which is insane. Um, and he was 10-1-4, and four, so it's like, um, so yeah, he's just dominating the college hockey ranks. Um, and then in other college hockey news, we have uh, Cole Caulfield gets the Obi Baker. No surprise there. Um, I, I believe he also made his debut in Laval, um, and he got a goal there, so of course he did. Oh, oh he, he got more than a goal, Brent. Yeah. He played two games, scored oh, he... three goals, and two game winners. Oh, wow, okay. So, I, amazing first two games for a goal coffee. I just, yeah, I think he got that goal, at, like, the first time, or the first day, um, like, the first minute or something like that. It was, yeah, it was really, he, he really wasted quick. no time at all. Exactly. Yeah. Um... And then, um, let's see here, uh, Jack LaFontaine gets a Mike Richter award, the Mike Richter award, a little bit of surprising because we were all expecting it would be Dryden McKay. Um, but you know, looking at Jack LaFontaine's stats and, and all that stuff, he plays for Minnesota. Um, it's, you know, it's impressive. He'd also deserves the, uh, the, this award, but I guess we all thought it was going to be Dryden McKay because he was the runner up for the Hobie Baker, but yeah, yeah, like Jack LaFontaine wasn't nominated yeah. for the Hobie Baker and you would think the guy who was right. would get the Mike Richter award, but no, that's not the case at all. Right. And Dryden McKay, uh, we'll save him for another episode because surely yeah. he would get signed by Oh, I'm sure some he will. Team. Like e- even even if and there there have been people that have been wondering like how tough Minnesota State's uh, run to the Frozen Four was um, was it was it um, as tough or tougher than most other teams that uh, made it to this point in the tournament? Dryden McKay still put up unreal numbers and deserves a look at at the professional hockey level. At least he deserves a chance um, to make to make it big in the big leagues. Um, so I'm I'm sure being nominated for the Mike Richter and the Hobie Baker. Uh, losing both awards is not going to be the fact that Dryden McKay is going to get some looks from NHL teams. Mm-hmm. And and hopefully he's able to. Meantime, Jack LaFontaine has already been drafted by the Carolina Hurricanes and hasn't signed yet and has previously said he will return to the University of Minnesota for right. next year, so he's not turning pro yet. 
Um, so if, if he could put up those kind of numbers this year, I'd imagine it'd be more of the same next year because Minnesota historically has had a pretty good hockey program there. Which is interesting, too, for LaFontaine because he, uh, he was a transfer student. He played two years in Michigan, and, then he, and now he played two years in Minnesota. I guess he has one more year of eligibility um, in Minnesota. Um, so that, that's interesting there. Um, and <laughs> I just see here that Hockey East just put out a tweet that says, the state of hockey is officially Massachusetts um, with, uh, with UMass national champions here. Um, but it's just and now all the Minnesota people are are mad about it, which is funny. Well, I mean, like you had three Minnesota-based teams yeah. in the tournament, and the one Massachusetts-based team won the whole thing. So, no, like, no. I mean, I don't blame you for being salty, but the odds were in your favor, and you, and none, you still of, lost, and yeah? I, and none of your teams won. So yeah, no, it's just a funny tweet because now like all the Minnesota people are getting upset. Uh, like, there's this one guy who goes by Matthew Coldy uh, because of Matthew Boldy. Um, and he, like, he just shows a picture of, like, all the active NHL players, totals by birth state. Um, I, you would assume, so Minnesota's first here in this stat. They have 51 active NHL players um, who are born in Minnesota. Second is New York, which I was surprised by. And then Michigan is third. And then Massachusetts is fourth. Um, but then Hockey East responds by saying the fact that your profile name is Matt Boldy, a Massachusetts native, is uh, is chef's kiss, which is kind of funny. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't There's even realize also... yeah, Matthew Boldy was uh, uh, from Massachusetts, so that, that's cool too. But yeah, it's, it's yeah, just it's, funny. It's, it's interesting how a Massachusetts product plays yeah. in Minnesota and... I, and a guy similar to that would be Charlie Coyle. So I'm right. just thinking, Matt Boldy's destined to become a Bruin someday, right? I yeah, yeah. That, that's how it I, works. I mean, I'd be for it. Yeah, of course. Um, <laughs> I also saw a tweet that's like, the fact that three Minnesota-based teams were in the Frozen Four and none of them won is the most Minnesota thing ever. <laughs> and, and the fact that Massachusetts won is uh, is pretty Boston. Uh, so Yeah. Uh, we just win championships. That's all we do. Yeah. Um, You're still here. Yep, speaking of winning and being from Massachusetts, uh, Jeremy Swayman, or as I like to call him, Swagman, that's what we're just going to call him from now on, because uh, that's just his nickname. I'm trying to get that into it to be his nickname. Um, you're, just, you're just putting it out into you. Just putting it out there, yes, yes, for sure. Yeah. Um, anyways, he made his uh, debut um in the NHL this year, or, you know, uh, this past week. Um, And, you know, I I was, like, this was mostly due out of necessity because they were playing in a back-to-back. So Daniel Vladar had just played. um, And then Tuga Rask is injured, as well as Yaroslav Halak is on the COVID protocol list. Um, And then, uh, so, so I was just thinking, like, okay, I just... I just don't want it. He was playing against the Flyers. I just didn't want, like, it's like, I do want to, I am curious to see how he does, but I, I wasn't, like, I, I am, like, wary of, like, starting goalies too soon. Um, and then he, he goes out on Tuesday night and he, uh, he kills it. He, um, he gets 40 saves. Um, he does, you know, give up two goals, but that's okay. 
Um, <laughs> if you're making 40 saves, that's nuts. Also to note that he didn't have Charlie McAvoy either um, that day. He, Charlie McAvoy just got injured. Um, so so there, there's that, which is also impressive, considering McAvoy is a pretty big defensive guy there. Um, and then... So then I'm like, okay, this is awesome. And then I was expecting, like, either Halak or Rask to be back. Um, I know that they had another back-to-back or something, but he starts on Thursday, and I'm like, okay, this is pretty cool, too. Let's let's see how it goes. He's facing off against Washington. Um, and then he looks, he looks really good, too. Uh, he has 31 saves. Um, he wins again. I'm like, okay, so like now it's time to actually get excited about it. Um, and then he played yesterday, Saturday, um, and he suffered his first loss. Um, that was a, like he looked more human, which is okay, but uh, yeah, it was he would play. Uh, he gave up three goals um, on uh, 23 shots. Um, and also to keep in mind the fact that his coach from Maine um, had just passed away that morning um, and Bruce Cassidy like told them that like he could take the day off because uh, they're playing today on Sunday um, and um, so like he could just take the day off and stuff but Swayman said no where I'm gonna do it and um, you know a couple of the goals like I feel like he could have had but but it, it is good to, like, at least, like, temper my expectations. Because I was getting really excited about him. I, like, put him on all my leagues. I mean, I already have him on, like, two leagues. But I added him on a third league. And now I'm like, oh, let's uh, let's go. Let, this guy is going to be, like, a Jordan Bennington type thing. But um, I don't think that's going to happen now. Which is fine. Um, so... So now I'm like, you know, I, I'm excited about it. And I think it this is like, he came at the perfect time because both Tuka Rask and Yaroslav Halak are both going to be free agents uh, this offseason. And of course, I love those guys. Um, but but at the same time, they're both very old <laughs> players. Um, so like you have to start, we have to start thinking about the future. And Swagman has become the future. Um, the only problem with that is is now when I look at around the whole league like Carter Hart um you know he he came off to a, his he started his career as as a really hot goalie um and now all of a sudden he's like not that good anymore same with Matthew Matt Murray um you know same and like even going way back um Andrew Raycroft uh he may have been he may have started a little bit too early, even though he looked good right away. So Elvis Merzirklins hasn't been as good as um, he was last year, too. So I'm a little bit wary of, like, we don't want to, like, ruin his development, even if he does look really, really good right away. Um, so so I am, I am ready to, like, be like, okay, he's not that good. But at the same time, I'm... It's, it's awesome to see that he's able to make a difference like this. Well, yeah, and it speaks to the development of the Bruins as well. Um, the fact that, I mean, you look at his AHL stats this year, uh, 933 save percentage, 1.89 GAA, 8-1-0 with Providence. That's pretty darn good. Um, so already at the AHL level, he's making noise even before this. And 
just the fact that he's able to look so calm, cool, composed, and confident is just huge. Like, especially in that Philly game where you don't have McAvoy. Kevin Miller's just coming back yeah. into the lineup. He's been banged up quite a bit. You have Yaroslavalak testing positive for COVID, so he's out until whenever. And Tuka's still injured, and he stops 40 of 42 and 25 of 25 in, like, the second period. Like, what? <laughs> it, it's, it's insane how... The Flyers were, were were able to just pressure the Bruins, and this guy just keeps finding ways to keep the puck out of the net. And he's doing that in his first NHL start. Like, that's pretty incredible. And against the Caps, again, making big saves, stopping Garnet halfway on a break, odd man rushes um, before that. And... And, and that Philly game in particular, he, make, he makes a big save and the Bruins go the other way and score a goal. So, like, we're talking about goalies here in the league that can turn around yep. a team's fortunes, make a big save, and then your team goes the other way and scores a goal. Like, that's the epitome of making big-time plays. Right. And what's what, what shouldn't be lost out on this fact, and, and I'm sure it's a bit different because of the COVID thing, Every single one of Jeremy Swayman's starts have come on the road. Yeah. In Philly for one game, then in Washington, and then back in Philly again. And every single game, the Bruins have had a chance to win. So I I definitely think the case can be made that Swayman's a part of the future as soon as next year. Yep. Like, what does the Bruins tandem look like? And I, I definitely think if he keeps playing at this rate, he can be a part of it. You look at his stats in Maine even. Yep. In his first year, 921 state percentage, 15, 12, and 3 record. And that's with a GAA of 2.72. It goes up to 2.77 next year, 2018-19, where he's 14, 7, and 4, and he has a 919 state percentage, which, again, pretty respectable. And then it's just ungodly stats in year three, 939 state percentage, 2.07 goals against, 18-5 and 11. Well, like, there are games where Maine gets outshot and he yep. keeps finding ways to win them games. So I I definitely think the future of Jeremy Swayman is definitely in the NHL. He can be a number one goalie in this league and he's showing it right away. Yep. And I definitely get the Carter Hart development concerns, but I feel like if young goalies are destined to make the NHL, they'll bounce back eventually. Oh, yeah. They'll find their place. And They'll be rock solid for years to come. I get from Boston. I get, they need that. They need that young boy to emerge. From. Of course, of course, and you know I think it, it is crazy too because Tuka Rask has been the best goalie for the Bruins, I think, in franchise history. Uh, so like whoever, if it's Swagman, if it's someone else, like it's going to be pretty t- impossible shoes to fill. And I know like half of the Bruins fan base wants to get rid of Tuka Rask, which is whatever, but, um, but yeah, I, I understand that Tuka's time here may be, uh, coming to an end pretty soon, so, um, so it is good to have at least a replacement, whereas, like, uh, for, like, centers, when Bergeron eventually retires, you're like, oh, well, we don't really have any centers, so it's, it is nice to at least address the goalie situation, um, in this way, um, but yeah, I think, my concern is, yes, it's Carter Hart, but it's also, like, I think it's also, like, Andrew Raycroft is the bigger concern, because I, 
I, I was uh, doomed from that. That was my first experience as a Bruins fan when I was like really excited about Andrew Raycroft. And then all of a sudden he starts to stink. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, wait a second. Of course, it, it ended up being a positive in the end because he got traded uh, for Tukarask, which ended up being really good for us. But um, And we also got uh, Tim Thomas in the meantime. But, um, but it was just, uh, I, I just remember thinking like, okay, it's very possible, especially for goalies that like they can, even though just because they're starting out hot, doesn't necessarily mean that they're like ready and can be a long-term consistent goalie for us. Um, so that's, that's just more of the concern, but of course that the time will tell. Um, and like, you know, and I look at like guys like Jack Campbell, who's, now, like, he's won 11 straight for the Leafs, which is just incredible. Um, and after, like, years of people thinking that he was a bust. Um, so, I just, um, so, like, I think there is some hope there, but I'm also, there is that part of my brain is like, what if he's the next Raycroft? <laughs> or, you know, so, so that, the, Wait, there's that part of it. Jack Campbell so much, Brett, and you're a closet Leafs fan over the past month. I, like, I'm crazy. I, I might be. <laughs> You're right. Well, I think I think what upset me. Would you buy a Jack Campbell Leafs jersey at this rate? Would you? I, I might. I, I think so. Here's the thing. I, I I think the reason why I'm so into Jack Campbell is because I um because you were talking so much about Freddie Anderson, and then yeah. that got me like once. Once I'm in that debate where I was just like, wait, are you kidding me? Jack Campbell's been really, really good. And then as soon as that happens, now it's just becoming like I have to prove to you that Jack Campbell is good. <laughs> and, and you're, you're um, so like, uh, so it's that. It's not, you know, Jack Campbell could be on the, and then I think it's also impressive that, that he's been doing this while he's like in Toronto, which is probably one of the toughest places to play because the fans are annoying. The media is annoying, and uh, they expect so highly out of all their guys because they want to win a championship. So it's not like that I'm a, like a closet Leafs fan, even though I love a lot of their players. But it's it's more just I I think it, you just riled me up uh, by talking really highly about Freddie Anderson. <laughs> there there are some goalies in Toronto that I've noticed um, in the past I don't know decade watching hockey. Yep that really seem to thrive in markets like that. The obvious one is James Reimer, and the other appears to be Jack Campbell. Yeah, yeah. And I think, and also, I think, because um, I was talking to more people about this, I, I think it's like he got, um, he wasn't really given a fair shake in L.A. He wasn't developed great in Dallas. They didn't have the, like, tools necessary for him or coaches necessary for him to succeed in Dallas. And of course, like, you know, Dallas can't complain with their goalie situation right now. And L.A. had Jonathan Quick for a couple of years, so they can't complain either. But, um, but yeah, so I just find it impressive that, like, he's been doing so well. And it's to the point where I feel like this is the biggest story in the NHL. But anyways, mm -hmm. uh, that's not what this episode's about. Um, because <laughs> uh, we're, we're going to discuss some trades that happened this this past week, um, we should have mentioned that we're recording this on a Sunday, uh, and Monday is when the trade deadline's happening. 
And I just know that Taylor Hall and uh, Mike Hoffman are going to get traded right after yeah. we finish recording. Yeah, so, like literally the yeah. millisecond after we stop recording. It's <laughs> it, going to happen. It's just going to happen. Do, do you have Twitter open? Yeah. Do, you, do you think we need to check Twitter? I'll, 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 check, I'll check Twitter every now and then. But, yes, I okay. can um, I can keep you up to date on that. I might, I might do the same at this rate. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, I, and and if if any of those trades do happen, um, we'll have more. We'll talk about it more uh, next week. But we do have a couple of trades that happened this week, which were noteworthy. I could, there was a couple of trades that weren't as noteworthy, uh, like uh, Jonas Sigenthaler was traded. Um, there was a couple of other ones that I uh, Riley Nash, Patrick Nemeth. Um, and stuff like that, but I figured that that wasn't going to like make or break a season. Uh, some of these trades could potentially. So the first one we're going to talk about is the uh, Kyle Palmieri and Travis Sajak going to the New York Islanders uh, for uh, AJ Greer and Mason Jobst. I think that's how you pronounce his last name. A twenty twenty first first round pick. Um, and a 2022nd conditional fourth round pick. Uh, that condition is if the Islanders advance to the Stanley Cup Finals, the fourth round will go to be a third round pick in 2022 or 2023, uh, and the Islanders have the option of which pick they will transfer if that does happen. Um, so, so that's um, so that's a interesting deal for sure. Um, this is like, I think this is another kind of deal that goes, uh, that's interesting. Cause I think, um, last year the Islanders and the Devils made a deal too. Also keeping in mind that, um, Lou Lamarillo used to be the GM for the Devils back when the Devils were really good. Um, and yeah, Palmieri has 17 points in 36 games. I was interested as to why Travis Zajac was included in this deal because it's not like, you know, the Islanders have Matthew Barzal, they have Brock Nelson, they have John Gabriel Bajot. Um, I didn't necessarily think that they needed another center, but at the same time, it's like, you know, you can't have more than one center. Um, and then I guess the Devils GM, who I'm blanking on the name right now, he even mentioned that, like, he was just... He just uh, was asking if um, he asked Sajak if he wanted to win a Stanley Cup, and uh, Sajak said yes, and so they they traded him to the Islanders, and he and the GM said that he hopes Palmieri, and uh, uh, he hopes that pick that they got the first round pick that they got is the thirties, a second pick, uh, because he hopes that they win the championship. Um, so, so that's, uh, I, you never really hear GM say that, which is, which is impressive, but that just speaks to how much they loved, uh, Kyle Palmieri and how much they loved, uh, Travis Sajak. Cause it seems like those guys have been on the devils forever. Um, and I guess maybe Lou is just doing his old team a favor or Lou. Yeah. Just doing his old team a favor by, uh, by doing that. Also, Zajac is good in his own right. He's a, like a face-off specialist, basically. So that could always come in handy, especially in the playoffs. So I think there's something to that as well. But um, but yeah, I think it, I think this is an interesting 
Uh, trade for sure, because, you know, Anders Lee is out for the year, um, and Palmieri is a good substitute for that. Um, although he's had a bit of a down year this year. He has 17 points in 36 games. But the guy can score. There's no question about that. Yeah, so um, you can tell that uh, Tom Fitzgerald, the Devils GM, and Lula Morello, uh, the current Islanders GM, have respect for relationship because, as you mentioned, Brett, getting Andy Green last year, um, the Islanders also signed Corey Schneider in the offseason on a low-budget deal. So, like, our, our, <laughs> you're like similar to the 94 Rangers when they started getting a bunch of, like, former glory days of the Oilers, um, Lou Lamorello seems to be really big on the Devils veterans. And Kyle Palmieri is a guy, you know, he can get you to 15, 20, 25 goals typically, um, you know, in a fringe top six, bottom six role. That's a pretty valuable piece. And after losing Anders Lee due to injury, that was the big need, is secondary goal scoring with Lee out. And I feel like Palmieri gets the job done. Zajac had a couple of 60-point seasons early in his career, hasn't really gotten back to that level, unfortunately, since then. However, typically, he'll get you 35, 40 points, maybe a bit above that a season, which is good. And like you said, face-off specialist, so, like, helps out um, helps out their center ice position, takes a bit of the pressure off of Pacho, and, and just, like, proven leaders. Like, Travis Zajac has been assistant captain with the Devils for years. Yep. Um, they picked Nico Heischer for captaincy over him, and he was still a devil through thick and thin. And the fact that he's a free agent, probably this deal doesn't get done if there's more term left on his deal. Of course. If it's if it's a case where he's going to be a free agent at the end of the year, maybe that's why he was willing to to make the most of this opportunity here but otherwise i think he would have been a double for life yeah. he just plays the thousandth game with them this season and and i think that just goes to show you that there there's more to hockey than than just winning games sometimes and i think travis Zajac is a pretty loyal guy that leads well and that, that's what I think Palmieri and Sajak are. They're leaders. Yep. And they're also very hungry to have playoff success with the team. And I think that's going to be invaluable to the Islanders. I really do. And it also speaks volumes that apparently uh, Stefan Rosner, who's following the Islanders, tweeted, according to his sources, there was a deal with the Sabres in place for Taylor Hall on April 7th. And Lamorello took this deal over the Taylor Hall, although it's reported that he could circle back to Taylor Hall, which imagine if the Islanders get him anyway after this trade, like five head by Lamorello, that's good. Um, but I think I think it just goes to show you uh, how much they value Palmieri and Zajac when they say, yeah, we'll take this deal over the Taylor Hall trade, a trade right. where Taylor Hall has won an MVP in recent memory. Um, also, a couple of interesting points on the returns uh, for New Jersey. It's it's not that these players weren't really good. It's that they I don't think they really fit the mold of what the Islanders are trying to do. AJ Greer is, I would say, a solid B prospect. Yeah. Maybe with NHL potential, he was in Colorado for a bit. Uh, the Islanders got him for Kyle Burroughs in the off season. So mostly like a minor leaguer, but. 
a pretty solid junior career. Maybe he has a fit with the Devils. Who knows? Mason Jost um, had some pretty good numbers, I believe, at Ohio State at the NCAA level, but uh, for the most part, hasn't really gotten an NHL opportunity. The 2021 first, that's probably going to be between 20 to 32. And the conditional 2022 fourth round pick, it becomes a third either in 2022 or 2023 if the Islanders reach the finals this year and the Islanders get to pick which year. So, again, it, it seems both sides feel pretty confident that the Islanders have a chance to go for it. And yeah. uh, hopefully for Lou Lamorello, um, this turns out to be a move that really sets the tone for a playoff run for the ages for his program. And I'm more, more than anything, I'm just thankful a significant trade happened on my birthday because that almost never happens because yeah. the deadline's over at that point. So thank yeah, you, you Lou, for making that trade on my birthday. I appreciate you greatly. Yep. And uh, yeah, hopefully the Islanders fans appreciate if it, if it leads to an inevitable celebration at center ice Sunday. Of course. Yeah, it is strange. I guess usually, because this is around the time when the playoffs start, um, so so it never really happens other than that. Um, but yeah, it is kind of cool that this happened on your birthday. Happy birthday, by the way, in person. I I emailed it to you, but I'll, I'll say it to you um, through this uh, medium as well. Um, and other things before we get on. Uh, first off, I forgot to mention that Lou Lamarillo drafted Travis Sajak. Um, this was back in 2004, which is pretty crazy. Um, and he even, he played at, uh, North Dakota, which is, which is pretty cool, even though he is Canadian. Um, and yeah, he played, uh, he's, he's been a devil for 15 years. Um, so he's 35, um, which is, uh, pretty nuts. So he played when he was 21 years old, which is, um, which is nuts. Um, and then also, I, I mentioned the Devils GM, who I was blanking at the time. Um, his name is Tom Fitzgerald. Um, so, uh, just wanted, in case Tom Fitzgerald was listening in, that's, that's your name. <laughs> um, yeah. Um, yeah. In, in, for anyone wondering, I don't know if Brett mentioned this, but um, 50% salary retained on Palmieri and right. Sajak. Okay. So, in total, that's uh, $5.2 million in cap space right. um, that the Islanders had here, which is... I mean that because uh, Lee's cap hit is, I think, $7 million per year. Yeah. So they still have a bit of room to include Taylor Hall. I still think they'll have to move some money around. But sure. theoretically, there's a chance that the Taylor Hall thing could still work. But some work would need to be done, of course, before of that course, happens. Of course, of um, course. And, I mean, I think, like, it's interesting because both of them are rentals, essentially. Um, so, so, like, it's, it doesn't really matter with the 50%. Retained, but yeah, you're right. Maybe they do have some more moves up their sleeves. Um, all right, uh, let's go to our next trade to talk about. And this one is the one that happened the next day. Uh, Brett Connolly, Henrik Borgstrom, Riley Stillman, and a 2021 uh, seventh round pick goes to Chicago. Um, and then Florida gets Lucas Walmark. And Lucas Carlson, who are both prospects pretty much at this point. Oh, well, I guess Walmart isn't really a prospect, but uh, Lucas Carlson is. Um, yeah, this is a. I kind of like this deal for Chicago. Um, first off, Henrik Borgstrom, who was like pretty good in college. I, I guess this is another college heavy episode here. 
But, um, yeah, he was pretty good. But, like, when he went to Florida, he just never got a fair shake, I felt like. Like, I'm looking here at his average time on ice for the last three years here, and he had, like, 12 minutes of ice time on average. But this is a guy who was, like, a Hobie Baker finalist back when he was um, in college. So he, he deserves some more playing time. Um, I guess his, like, his best year was um, in 2018 where he had 18 points in 50 games. Uh, the other, he played in four games this year, and or sorry, last year, and he played in four games um, in 2017, but only got a goal there, um, and he didn't score any points there. So I think this is like one of those, it's a good opportunity for the for the Blackhawks, because this guy is good for like a change of scenery, and it, it, seems, it seems like that's, like those are the kind of players that the Blackhawks love. Because they got guys like Dylan Strom who needed a change of scenery. They got guys like Alex Nylander who needed a change of scenery. Um, it hasn't really worked out for Nylander just yet, but Dylan Strom has had some moments where he looks pretty good. Um, so, so maybe this is another case of that. And not to mention the fact that like Brett Connolly is another guy who um, was he had a he had a pretty good year last year for. Uh, Florida, but for whatever reason, just never took off this year for Florida. Um, and now he goes to Chicago um, and he gets, you know, he gets some opportunity here um, in Chicago where you wouldn't otherwise. Chicago might actually make the playoffs too. They, they have that jump too. So Brett Connolly could, could fit right in and, and be an important guy for them for their playoff push. I mean, it's interesting there. Um, as for the Florida side of things, it's like, yeah, Lucas Walmart can play, and who knows with Lucas Carlson, you never really know with um, these, um, you know, AHL players. But, like, the the fact that they kind of, uh, they save a bunch of money, um, and they, they get a lot of, um, they have a lot of cap space now um, that they didn't used to have beforehand. Um, I think like there was something where they had like they saved like 22 million or something like that or they now have 22 million of cap space or something like that um, so so that's pretty uh, crazy and I wonder what moves they make I guess before we get into the moves that they've already made uh, do you have um, a um, yeah, what, what are your thoughts on this particular trade? I see the Chicago Blackhawks haven't changed, first of all. Um, Brett Connolly, former first-round picks. Yeah, that's Bowman good, too. Right, that's Loves true the too. former first-round picks. Henry Bjorkstrom, oh, look at that. Former first-round pick. Gee, what a shocker. Yeah, I forgot about that. And then you get uh, yeah. then you get a bottom-pairing defenseman in Bradley Stillman, who I think uh, would add some grain along the lines of Nikita Sidoro, but I don't expect too much offense from that. And they get a seventh, which I guess they could just add in a deal or something. Um, I think Bjorkstrom is similar to, like, Alex Nylander uh, in terms of the experimentation where the Blackhawks think there's some upside there. They can tap into that potential. And obviously, you know, you have guys like Patrick Kane, Alice Dabrinka, Dylan Strome, Dominic Kubelik, Pius Suter, who's had a great rookie season too. Yep. I, I feel like if anyone can turn it around uh, for Bjorkstrom, uh, the Hawks possibly could. Um, he had eight goals in 50 games and a respectable shooting percentage in his like first actual season. Um, but yeah, I, I, I think 
in terms of overall ice time, overall fair shake. I don't think he really got it in Florida. For whatever reason, it just didn't work out. So maybe the Blackhawks um, could work something out there. In terms of the Brett Connolly situation, I think he's a good depth forward, but $2.425 million in salary and another two years left after this season, I don't know why the Hawks would just use up the cap space they've been looking for for ages. Right. <laughs> like, you're rebuilding. Like, you're, you're going to need that at some point. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, that I, I think... You know, with Zach Smith's contract coming off the books, they won't have to eat up uh, Brett Connolly's contract for very long. So I don't know what happens within the next two and a half years uh, with Brett Connolly in Chicago. It could be a short stay for him. Who really knows? But um, he could he could definitely uh, provide some upside, maybe like an Andrew Shaw type of player. Um, but um, it, it, it remains to be seen because there's, there's, there's definitely – potential there he had some good years uh in washington he was top 10 top 15 pick his draft year um so so there's that so on on the chicago side i can sort of get it i just don't get why you would take on the brett Connolly term um with that however it's pretty easy to see for florida this is the captain like lucas carlson has some potential as a defenseman as a young defenseman uh, in the AHL, put up some good years with uh, Rockford, with the Rockford Ice Hogs. Um, but in Chicago, just didn't seem to work out there. And with a lot of the young defensemen that they have, I don't know how much of a fair look Lucas Carlson would have got. Lucas Walmart's interesting because if you remember last trade deadline, Vincent Trocheck right. to Carolina, Lucas Walmart was a part of the return to Florida. Yeah, and then he went to Chicago. So now he's back in Florida. So I'm thinking, okay, what's going on here? Why'd they bring him back if they if he just left them? Um, well, we'll talk about the the forward that they also added there. But I'm I was also kind of thinking in the back of my mind, is Florida about to go out and get Taylor All or something, yep. or maybe defensive help? Um, and they they might have gotten at least forward help and de- defensive help, which we'll talk about later. But I still, I still feel like uh, Taylor Hall could be a possible fit for them. Yep. Um, it just depends on what pieces they're willing to move out. Yeah, for sure. Um, another thing to mention, um, I was just looking at Borgstrom's stats. I thought he was playing in the uh, AHL for some reason, but um, it turns out he's been playing in La Liga uh, this year, and he has 19 points in 29 games. So that's pretty impressive for uh, someone of his stature there. Um, but, uh, so he's been doing well. Um, and I, I guess you kind of alluded to it too, because it says currently that cap space, um, the Florida Panthers have is 2 million, um, but, or 3 million basically. But, um, I didn't take into account that they got Brandon Montour, they're about to sign, uh, Nikita Gusev, um, for like 1 million, I think. So it's, um. So maybe they've already signed it, but uh, so they had a lot more than when I originally mentioned it before. Um, and then the other thing, too, was that um, I'm looking here at the standings. Blackhawks are in fifth place right now in the Central. Um, so maybe this it was kind of like a sneaky move because I know that at the beginning of the season, uh, Bowman was saying that they're going to be rebuilding, um, and in, in that regard. In that regards, they're kind of rebuilding poorly, 
But if you get a guy like Borgstrom and you still you get a piece that could maybe help you in the playoffs in Brett Connolly, then yeah, that could that could work out for the Blackhawks. But um, I feel like Borgstrom just needed a change of scenery because I don't think he'll get as many opportunities in Florida as he would in Chicago because Chicago is at that point where they, they're just a blender. It's basically Patrick Kane, Kirby Dock, and Alex DeBrincat, and then a bunch of other people. So um, so that, you know, Borgstrom could work his way into the the core of the group uh, in the future. Um, which It should also be yeah. noted, by the way, um, Matthias Janmark was held out of the lineup on Saturday. It was an organizational decision, which means they're likely holding him out because they might trade him. So oh, that's possible too, it could yeah. be a situation where they get Brett Connolly knowing that, oh, we're going to be trading Matthias Janmark in a couple of days anyway, so right. he can just take his spot in the lineup. Yeah, for sure. Uh, so Brandon Montour... Um, is uh went to he was from buffalo and then he goes to florida um this happened the day after um it was a 20 let me just double check yeah 2021 third round pick um that's all it took um yeah this was an interesting trade uh because like well i just remember when he went to buffalo i was thinking like oh interesting because like i knew that they had um, Rasmus Dahlin, they had Rasmus Ristolainen, um, they got Colin Miller that, that offseason as well, so I was just thinking, like, they're gonna have to eventually trade another right-handed defenseman, um, and they did, and we were all thinking it was gonna be Ristolainen, but Ristolainen hasn't been traded yet, um, and it, it turns out it, it was Brandon Montour, but, like, two, two seasons after, um, and, uh, yeah, Brandon Montour, he was pretty good on the Ducks. Um, uh, he had, like, 25 points in 62 games, which was decent. Um, and then he goes to Buffalo, and he had 10 points in 20 games um, that first year. But then he starts to drop off a bit. Um, of course, a lot of the Sabres did, um, <laughs> where he had, like, 18 points in 54 games. This past year, this year he had 14 points in 38 games. Uh, he now goes to Florida. Um, this is probably to also address the fact that Aaron Ekblad is out for the year, um, and they probably need some defensive help. Brandon Montour does have some offensive upside, so I think he could help them out on, on that side of things. Um, and for some reason, Keith Yandel hasn't been doing so well. He was pretty hot at the beginning of the year, but now it seems like he's, he's not doing so well. Um, so... So yeah, they, they just need a lot of help and Brandon Montour could be that guy uh, for them um, in, in the meantime. Um, so I like that deal for them. And then the other thing, and I guess it's not on cap friendly just yet, but I did see from, I think it was Elliot Friedman, that uh, Florida, uh, so the Devils uh, put Nikita Gusev on waivers and the Florida Panthers have claimed Gusev and they're signing him for one year. I don't know the exact contract, but um, yeah, neither I can look do that I. Up. What I do know is that I'll look that up while you talk. Unconditional waivers for the purpose of terminating his contract. So then he became okay. a free agent. Then the Panthers signed him. Got it. Uh, so you, you can talk about both. Okay, I, you can talk about Montour and Gusev while I look up the contract. Um. Okay. So in terms of Brandon Montour. Oddly enough, his rookie season was in 2016-17, so that was McDavid's second year. So he's only been in the league for 
almost five full seasons now. Um, his first taste of NHL action was with the Anaheim Ducks. He has six points in 27 games. Not bad. Over an 82-game season, that is 18 points. Pretty respectable. Then he gets nine goals, 32 points in 80 games with the Ducks. So over an 82-game pace, 33 points. Then he gets 35 points on the full 82 games the year after that, which includes eight goals, 27 assists. That was with Anaheim and Buffalo. Then his first full season with the Sabres last year, 18 points, 54 games, five of which were goals. And then this year, 14 points in 38 games. Since the coaching change, he's he scored some pretty big goals for Buffalo. So that's pretty good. Right now, that puts him on pace over for uh, that puts him on pace for 30 points in a full 82 game season. So again, not terrible but not the best defenseman on Buffalo. And I feel like he wasn't insulated well enough. So I think on a Florida team that has like Mackenzie Weger putting up points and also has Keith Yandel putting up points, maybe he could be um, a defensive act for them. Um, and while contributing offensively here and there overall, his salary 3.85 million, but he's a UFA at the end of the year. So it definitely helps their case when it comes to overall, like I, they don't have to keep, they don't have to bring him back if they, if they don't want to, they can just let him walk at the end of the year if it's not a good fit. So it's a lower sky reward. You only give up a third round pick, which is all right. Um, in terms of Nikita Gusev, I think that could be a bigger get for Florida because you look at what Carter Verhage has been able to, to do and you look at Frank Petrano as well yeah. all of those young forwards that Florida's had and that are showing signs of progress and Barkov and Huberto continuing to play relatively well I think Barkov being the most consistent player on that team it could end up working out very very nicely for Florida that Nikita Gusev pick up um, it's just a matter of where he fits in um, and if you do put him on the line with Barkov, how does that uh, affect Carter Verhage's game? Does Verhage slip a little bit, or does he continue to produce? So there, there are some chemistry concerns there, but I, I, I think overall, if they utilize Nikita so well, it's going to turn out great for them. Um, like you mentioned, Brett, adding Montour huge with Ekblad out. They've also, in recent weeks, put Anton Stroman on waivers. So I feel like if they bury his contract or somehow get rid of that deal, that opens up even more possibilities for them. Uh, meanwhile, in Buffalo, the change is still apparently uh, happening uh, left, right, and center. And they might not be done. Uh, in the past couple of weeks, traded Eric Stahl to Montreal. They traded uh, Hanson to the Avs, and now they've traded Brandon Montour to the Panthers. So... That's three names already. There could be more. I don't think any of them is Jack Eichel. Right. Um, but um, Buffalo might not be done by by the slightest um, at this rate. Well, they have they still have to trade Taylor Hall. So Oh, yeah, right. Time. Okay, so guaranteed there'll be four then. Yeah, yeah, there'll yeah. be four names gone by the end of Monday, for right, sure. Right, right, right. Um, so, and also, I just, I'm looking at the score right now because uh, the Flyers and the Sabres are playing right now. And it's 2-2, so there's that. Also, our two Ruet Salainen, who we talked about in our prospect thing for the Sabres, uh, he gets his first goal, so that's that's exciting for him. Yeah, the, I, I will also mention for Buffalo, the young guys 
have really stepped it up. Casey Middlestad in particular, yep. he's been doing pretty he's well. Rios Delinen is another name that's been pretty yep. good for them. Uh, Tage Thompson is another name. So the good news with Don Granado is that um, the young guys have, have really been able to pick up the pace, sure. which I think something is, is definitely great for Buffalo. They're still not winning the majority of their games, of which course. I expected in their division to begin with because of how tough it is. Yep. But there's at least some hope now. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's not a guarantee that the Sabres are going to lose now. Mm-hmm. So I, I definitely think it's reassuring going into this offseason, whether or not it gets Don Granado another year to try and work on this team remains to be seen. Yep. But it's definitely promising than where they were about a month ago. Um, so I found out that Gusev, uh, it was a one-year, one-million deal, according to Pierre Lebrun. Yeah. Um, it wasn't Elliot Friedman. Um and, and all that stuff. I also, while I was looking for that stuff, it was, um, I saw like a, a couple of like the advanced, uh, hot stats community was saying that like Gusev can, it's a bit one dimensional where he can, you know, get you points, but, uh, he's not so great defensively. Um, and it'll be interesting to see how he does in Florida when there are more defensively responsible compared to New Jersey. So, so it could work out for them, um, especially when they have guys like Barkov or just have a better defense in general, um, so that that could help them in the long run. It's also interesting, too, because I had forgotten about this, but Gusev was drafted by the Tampa Bay Lightning, and so now he, he plays in Florida, but uh, for the other team um, in Florida, not, not the one that he was drafted for. Um, this is the unfortunate part about the Florida Panthers, though, is because I don't think they're going to be, well, it, I think in the long run, I think you'll see it shake up. One of Tampa and Carolina is going to be first. The latter is going to be second. And they'll go up against the third seed Florida team because yep. I don't think they're they're going to fall off the radar where they go down to fourth. But I also no. don't think they're going to be better than Tampa and Carolina by the end of the season. I just don't see it. I don't know. It could be close. It could be close. But I think Tampa and Carolina are really going to pick up the pace and Florida won't be able to keep up. So if that's the case, they're going to get a really tough opponent in the first round. So Tampa and Carolina, how they match up with them moving forward is going to be critical for them. Yeah, I could see. I mean, I think Tampa is going to be tough, obviously. But I don't know. I could see them. Uh, stacking up well against Carolina. It'll but. be it'll be a series. Right. I don't know if they'll win. It'll probably go six or seven games either way. Yeah, yeah. But I, I I don't know if if they'll have what it takes to to really get over the top against those teams. Yeah. So that they they better hope that Montour and Goose have delivered because they're going to need them every single night. For sure, for sure. Um, okay, so uh, I guess <laughs> speaking of Tampa, they make a move. Uh, they're they get uh, David Savard from Columbus. Uh, this is a bit of a three-way trade here, so I don't know if uh, it's, it seems pretty rare to have a three-way trade kind of like this, but uh, we'll do it this way. Uh, so Tampa, you obviously have forgotten about the Robin Leonard deal already, where the true. Leafs just eat up some of the salary just because. Yeah. No, yeah, yeah. I think uh, Paul Stasny, when it was like him to the Jets, um, from Colorado, Vegas somehow was involved there too, and I was confused about that. And then Stasny joins uh, Vegas like that off season, which is just pretty funny. But yeah, you're right. There, there are there have been a couple of three way trades, and um, 
I guess the one that you probably regret the most is the Duchesne to Colorado one or from to Ottawa one. Um, that is the most notable one. I can guarantee you Colorado does not regret getting involved in oh, that no. at all. Oh, oh no, for sure not. <laughs> for sure not. Well, well, I mean, they were trading they the, the best player. At the, yeah, yeah, and they were trading the best player out of that yeah. too. <laughs> um, that's, that's a rarity too. Is that they they got they ended up uh, making out the best while they got the trade. And like Sam Gerrard, who they got in that trade, is phenomenal <laughs> too. It's it's yeah. crazy. They got Bowen Byram and Sam Gerrard. Um, nuts. Um, anyways. Um, David, uh, Savard goes to Tampa. Brian Lashoff also goes to, uh, Tampa. Uh, Detroit gets involved, um, because they retain 50% of David Savard's, um, contract there. They also get, uh, a fourth, 21st fourth from Tampa. And then, uh, Columbus gets... A first round um, in 2021 and a third round in 2022, both from Tampa. Um, at first, I like, like you know, speaking of like that Stasny three way trade, I was uh, so I always get confused when like teams cho- willingly retain some uh, contracts from uh, like another like trade that has nothing to do with them. Um, but for this, you know, after talking to you and thinking about it some more it's like you know Detroit gets like you know he does a favor to uh Steve Gatterman does a favor to his old uh, team that he used to GM they get a fourth round pick which you know is decent um and um and so yeah that that that's pretty good for them Columbus obviously gets uh makes out too because they get a first round pick and a third round pick um so that's nice and then Tampa gets some you know, David Savard's one of the better shutdown defensemen. I mean, shutdown defensemen don't really get a ton of credit um, in the NHL right now, so there's something to that. But, um, but yeah, so Tampa Bay gets solid defensively there. Um, it is interesting, though, with I think most of these trades that we've been talking about, they're all in the division. <laughs> like all, Columbus, Detroit, and Tampa are all in the division. Islanders and the Devils were in the same division. The Blackhawks and Florida are in the same division. So it's it's just like, it's kind of, I mean, I think it's coincidence, but it is funny that um, they're all in the same division right now. Um, but um, yeah, so so David Savard goes to the Tampa, and I think it could help them out. Um, maybe in the long run. I think he's more of a rental though. But, um, but yeah, it could help them out defensively, um, like they need any more help. Yeah, um, I kind of feel this is one of those, you scratch my back, I'll scratch yours, wink, wink, nudge, nudge deals that Iserman just uh, happens to walk into. Like, Detroit gets a 2021 fourth and eats up 50% of the remaining salary. So how it works down, Columbus eats up 50% of David Savard's salary. So that leaves Tampa Bay to eat up the rest of the 50%. So then Steve Iserman, who people might forget, is not the GM of the Tampa Bay Lightning anymore. He's the GM of the Detroit Red Wings that are clearly rebuilding. And so he's just like, yeah, I'll I'll eat up like half of the remaining salary. So I'll eat up 25%. You take care of the other 25%. Okay, done. 
And then Detroit just gets a fourth round pick in 2021 from Tampa for their troubles. I wonder if in the off season or down the line, doesn't have to be this off season, Tampa trades away a forward due to cap reasons. They go to Detroit at a less fraction of the price they would normally have to pay just because yeah, remember that time we took some of David Savard's salary to help you out? Yeah, could, could you knock down that price right. by like a, a pick or two or like a grade or two for a prospect? Just like, yeah, thanks, appreciate it. I feel like, I feel like that's what's up. I feel like there's some form of loyalty there. I don't know based on a fact. I'm just thinking in my head, just just watch out for that. Re- remember this trade, just say. Uh, but yeah, Columbus, it's no secret. They need to restock their cupboard. Their prospect pool is looking all right, but it's great. They're getting a 2021 first. It might be from 20 to 32 range, but they're getting a 2021 first round pick. That's good. 2022, they're getting a third round pick. Again, slowly restocking that prospect covered. That's good. Brian Lashoff for Tampa is just a guy they'll probably put in the minors. Nice to have on a rainy day. You just plug him into the lineup. David Savard, obviously, is the big name. And just to take a look at what David Savard has done, there was actually one season where he had 11 goals and 25 assists for 36 points. That was 82 games. That was 2014-15, his best offensive season. Typically, he'll get you 20 to 25 points, maybe a bit less than that, maybe more than that. This year, he has six points in 40 games. Last year, he had 11 assists, no goals. Um The last time he had more than five goals in a season was in 2018-19 when he had eight goals in 82 games. So offensively, I wouldn't look at David Savard as the type of guy that's going to help Tampa Bay. But he's similar in Ryan McDonough where he still does everything else fairly well. Um, You look at 2014-15, he had 112 hits. The first of five straight seasons where he had at least 100 hits had he Finished out the full season last year. He was three shots. Sorry, I'm looking at shots on goal now. My mistake. Um, But still, he had over 100 shots on goal for one, two, three, four, five straight years. Would have been six straight if they finished out last season. Um, In terms of hits, he had at least 100 for one, two, three, four, five, six, seven straight years, including 195 hits in his career year, 2014-15. But otherwise, 120 to 140 hits a year already has 95 this year. He can do the little pretty well in terms of block shots. Six straight years with 100 plus blocks had 163 last year, which is a career high. This year he has 89. So against some of the top forwards that Tampa is going to be going up against, and you're going to have teams like Carolina and Florida, they're going to likely have to contain maybe Nashville if they get hot. They could be tough to handle as well. Dallas, maybe, if they get him. Maybe Chicago, if they're if they get on a hot streak somehow and they sneak in, possibly them. Either way, I think Tampa just got a lot better in being able to contain some of those guys. Because you look at Tampa already, with Sergachev having a good year, with Victor Hedman having a good year, I think putting in a guy like David Savard at a rental price puts him over the top. And if you look at Vasilevsky's numbers and his performance already, and that's without David Savard, 
they could be even tougher to deal with defensively with David Savard in the lineup. And I think ultimately that's what Tampa Bay needs because in terms of Vasilevsky's numbers and McElhinney's numbers, McElhinney historically has been a capable backup. This year he hasn't looked great and certainly not nearly as good as the current McElhinney we're used to seeing and maybe the defense is a part of that. So if they can get wins with McElhinney and Nett and Savard makes his job easier, then that's good too. Um, but I think it's obvious to see that Columbus is rebuilding. Uh, Riley Nash, out four to six weeks later, traded to Toronto. Uh, Boone Jenner, done for the year. Zach Wierenski, done for the year. Um, I, I think they're dead in the water. Like, there's, I don't think they even finished fifth in the division this year. That's, that's how done they are. Yeah, uh, I mean, I think Torts is done. That's pretty much what that means. Yeah. Um, so, sadly. yeah, well, not sadly, he's not a, uh, he, he doesn't seem <laughs> I mean, to be it's a good run, guy. though, it was a good run. It was a good run, but he's, he doesn't seem Except like. Except Tampa in the first round, he has that. I know, but he doesn't seem to be the greatest guy, I guess is my point. Um, but, uh, yeah, for, for sure. Um, yeah, I think it's, it's, a, we'll see how it goes. I guess, it, you know, at least Tampa gets their guy, and when you think of, as you just mentioned, like just the defensemen that are available. Um, it seems like Matthias Ekholm's probably going to stay put because now that the yeah. Predators are good, um, it doesn't make sense to do that. But like, um, and the thing with Ekholm is, is that, yeah, he was good offensively, but he's also really good defensively too. Yeah. So, um, so you're not going to get that with David Savard, but you're still, you know, you're still going to get something. So I, I think in that terms that. of like defense, that. I think David Savard is the best name out there. Yep. The fact that Tampa got him is huge. Because right. now, on top of them getting him, no one else got him. Of course. And they don't have to deal with him in the playoffs. Right, right, right. And, and it's, it's a move, oddly enough, that some of uh, the sports pundits in Tampa were writing about it as soon as a couple of weeks before this trade happened. So it seemed like David Savard was that good of a fit for the organization. And they, as usual, Tampa just seems to get their guy whenever. You yep. Know, just another day in the neighborhood. Of course, of course. Uh, so then, lastly, um, another interdivision trade here. Uh, Colorado gets Devin Dubnik, um, and the San Jose Sharks get uh, Greg Paterne and a 2021 fifth round pick. This is kind of an odd little trade here because, first off, you know Colorado traded for Jonas Johansson um, a couple weeks ago, so like. It's like, I guess Jonas, they're not as happy with Jonas Johansson um, as they previously thought, maybe. Um, but uh, I was just looking at Dubnik's stats here. Um, I thought, like, maybe he would have, like, a little bit of a bounce back for the Sharks, and he's not having that good of a year. Uh, in 17 games, he has a 3.18 GAA and a save percentage below 900 and an 898 to be exact. Um, so, and then he's also, like, is falling off here. Hopefully you guys got that. Um, good, good. Um, <laughs> I mean, I care more about my recording than if you hear it. So I can <laughs> you care more about the recording. Yeah, yeah, well. of course, of course. Um, I mean, I, I think I'll be okay. And I think yeah. our, our audience is okay by, that, by now. Um, but yeah, he also had a record of 3-9-2, um, when he was playing for the Sharks. So it's, um, 
Yeah, it's a little uh, interesting from from that perspective. Like he's just gone down the tubes. So it's like the fact, like you know, you have to be so bad that Martin Jones is playing better than you, um, which is just nuts. I mean, I know Martin Jones has been okay um, or better than he was last year. So there's that, but um, it's just like that's how bad Devin Dubnik has been. Is that he's he's played so bad that. The Sharks had like would prefer Martin Jones over Devin Dubnik. Um, anyways, the uh, Colorado gets him. I guess he'll be the other backup for for Grubauer um, instead of Johansson. Um, and the Sharks get Greg Patern in a twenty twenty one fifth round pick. The most notable thing about Greg Patern is is that this is going to be his third team this year. Um, he was originally on Minnesota. Then he gets traded to Colorado, um, like at the start of the year, um, and yeah, for Ian Cole, for Ian I Cole. yeah, and then um, and then he and now he's going to the Sharks. It's just um, just a funny little thing. I, I, I guess that's that's the notable thing for him. He you know he only had two points for the Wild. He had zero points for Colorado, although he played more games for Colorado than Minnesota. Um, so, so that's interesting, and he, he played mostly in the AHL, where he had three goals in ten, in ten games for Colorado. So, he could, I guess, he has a chance to, you know, because I think more or less San, San Jose just has a lot of guys that could be good eventually for them on the defensive side of things, but just more depth for them for Greg Paterno. It's it's probably a depth for Devin Dubnik just in case. Uh, something happens to Grubauer, um, and like they just have like we know what he was capable of for years when he was on Minnesota, um, and who knows what's going on with him. But but um, I think he'll probably be better with um, Colorado's defense compared to San Jose's defense and uh, Minnesota's defense. So so yeah, we'll we'll see how it goes, but. Um, it was a, definitely a little odd of a trade that, like, just for the fact that, like, wait, so you prefer Martin Jones over Devin Dubnik? That's how bad he was. Um, I guess also from the Sharks' perspective, too, it's like, maybe this means, this opens up opportunity for Alexei uh, Mel- Melinchuk. I think that's how you pronounce his name. Um, I'm sure Victor is going to say something about that, but, um, <laughs> he'll in the comments for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Well, he'll, he'll, he'll message me. I'm sure. I don't know if he still <laughs> listens actually, but, um, <laughs> if you listen, Victor, uh, just, just message me once you get this. Um, and, um, yeah, so, so I think, um, that could be fun to see is like seeing how Melanchuk does. Cause he's been doing pretty well in the AHL if I'm not mistaken. So, um, and they also have Joseph Coronar, who yep. oddly enough made a fill-in appearance against the Kings because Martin Jones got pulled literally the day that Devin Dumick got traded away. So <laughs> it was against the Kings as well. Interesting. Or two loss. Yeah. Um, yeah, so basically Greg Patterson wasn't really a guy that Colorado was using anyway. So they traded Ian Cole for Greg Patterson, who they didn't really use, to get a guy like Devin Dubnik. On top of that, the abs somehow almost save a million in cap space because irony is funny. So they get Devin Dubnik, and they also save money while doing it, and they only give up a 2021 fifth-round pick. Yeah, okay, whoop-de-doo, Joe Sackick says. I, I feel this definitely gives Grubauer some time to rest. You also have, again, Hunter Miska and Jonas Johansson serving as 
a Michael Hutchinson hybrid. Um, he's either or mm-hmm. could probably fill that role where, like, if they need a guy, they have one of those two guys to turn to. I also wonder how injured is Pavel Francis because I feel like with the numbers Jonas Johansson is having, it, it's one thing if you have Jonas Johansson just in case once Pavel Francis comes back, that if something happens to Francis or Grubauer, that you can plug in Jonas Johansson. But if you're not sure about the status of Pavel Francis, you're getting a guy like Devin Dubnik just in case the worst case scenario happens and you have no one else to turn to. Because the last thing you is a Michael Hutchinson starting, uh, Michael Hutchinson type of goaltender starting in game seven of a second round series like he did last year. Um, so I think it, it, part of the Devin Dumnik uh, trade had to do with the Pavel Francis injury. Don't know that for sure, just my opinion. Um, but either way, this is a pretty good move for the Avalanche, and they could still have room to make other moves. Um, like, I don't know, Taylor Hall, a guy that they've been linked to as well. Um, they already have good defense. They have some good prospects. They have four depth galore. They don't have to do too much. They could just make some little moves here and there. And this might seem like a little move, but it could have a big impact. If Devin Dubnik finds his game, which I think is more likely, like you said, with Colorado and the defense they have, that this this could be a huge win for them. Underrated move, but could be a huge win. Yep. Um, I was also just looking at Melanin Chuck's uh, stats while you were talking. Um, so he's not doing so well in uh, in uh, the uh, AHL as I thought he was. Um, but he has like an 882 save percentage in nine games. So I was like, okay, whatever. But he, pl- he did play one game in the NHL. Um, and he, and he had a, like a, I guess a brief role there, uh, where he had, he didn't let any goals in, but he, there was none decided. So he didn't get a win or a loss or a tie or whatever. Um, and then he, he's playing in, uh, the KHL as a loan. Um, and he had a nine twelve save percentage in 14 games and it went six, six and two. So that's not terrible, but, um, not great, I guess at the same time. So. Uh, so maybe he's not as good as I thought, but yeah, maybe Joseph Corner could, uh, could come in, um, as well. We'll see. Um, all right. I think, um, let me just double check Twitter. Uh, let's see here. This could be fun. Do you think there's going to be something here? Um, I do know there's some minor trades. Um, Washington moves Jonas Siegenthaler to New Jersey. Yep. And also the Habs uh, pick up John Merrill the same day they waive Victor Mete. So if they lose Victor Mete for the sake of getting John Merrill in a trade, I'm not sure how Habs fans will take that. Probably yep. not well. Um, so I don't think anything major has happened. But nope. um, yeah. I, I, I'm intrigued either way. Tell me if there's anything big that happens. No, just looked. It doesn't look so much uh, that there has been anything huge going on. I did see that Frank Saravelli is speculating that Nick Foligno is up for, um, is going to, will probably be traded um, as multiple teams have put a first round pick on the table for him. Um, so, so Nick Foligno would be an interesting move for a lot of teams. Um, so he could, I could see that happening for sure. 
Um, yeah, and, and yeah. you talk about character guys. Like, David Savard was a par- part of an optional skate for Columbus, yeah. knowing that he wasn't going to play. Like, that's just as big of a character guy is. Nick Foligno is another case of a character guy. Team captain in Columbus for years. Yeah. A lot of teams would love to have him. Not nearly the same offensive guy as he was a couple of years ago when he had, like, 60 to 70 points that one time. But still a guy that could be huge for a playoff contender. So I yeah. definitely see Columbus pulling the tra- trigger on that especially if a first-round pick is involved. Yep. Um, but, uh, yeah, um, yeah, it, it, wouldn't, it wouldn't surprise me if it happens either later Sunday night or in the early stages of Monday. I don't think it waits that long. Mm. I also heard that Mike Hoffman to a North Division team, and there are some teams that might fit that need. Yep. Please, please, please don't let it be Ottawa. Don't let it be the Saints. <laughs> yeah. Please. <laughs> that actually takes us to uh, the last question we have here is because I have like three guys that I I think will be like the biggest targets and probably guys that we'll talk about next week um, if they are traded. I guess there is potential that uh, well definitely one of them is not getting traded. But um, I have here Taylor Hall, Mike Hoffman, and Matthias Ekholm. I think we just talked about it. I don't think Holmes going to be traded anymore just because the Predators have been playing better. And at the time, it seemed like the Predators were going to have a fire sale, but it seems like now um, that the Predators are could make the playoffs, I think they're, they're going to stay put or maybe make some moves. <laughs> they could be buyers instead. Yeah, um, and that's not to say, yeah. though, that the Predators aren't going to trade Matias at yep. home, period. I, I think there's a chance... It still happens in the offseason. But yeah. I don't think David Poyle makes that move when his team is yep. trying to make the playoffs. Like, they're they're going to try to win with this core for as long as they can. Mm. But if it's another quick exit, it wouldn't shock me if this offseason Matias Eklund's on a yep. different team wearing a for different sure. jersey. And yeah, I, it, yeah, I think tr- 10% chance he gets dealt at the deadline. I think it's very low. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, I remember it was it was kind of notable at the time because I think he said that it was like a couple of months ago, I think, but it was like Poyle had said that um, there was only like three people that he wanted that were off the table entirely. One was Rene, one was um, one was uh, Yossi, and the other one was uh, Ryan Ellis. And it was just notable because Forsberg, who's their best forward, is uh, like is up for grabs. Arvidsson as well. Um, and it's like, you would think... Johansson, who they yeah. signed Johansson's a couple years ago to an yeah. eight-year deal. Matt Duchesne, would... who they signed a couple of years ago right. to an eight-year deal. And, like, I can, I can understand keeping Pekka Rene because I think they see him as being, the like, a predator for life. So I, I understand Well, I think, and he wants to retire a predator. He's yeah, yeah. made it clear, I so, don't want to get traded. So, I want to stay yeah, in the and it would it would just look off if they, they decide yeah. to trade him. He may go to another team or he may just retire, but... Um, I could, I could, I feel like that would just be wrong to do. And um, the other one was, but it was like weird to, to not want to trade UC Saros or something like that. Cause it's like, um, I know at the time he wasn't playing so well, but it looks like a big reason why the Predators are doing so well um, is because of Saros. So, um, so maybe mm-hmm. that's, that's, uh, that was just interesting to me. Um, but anyways, we're going to talk about, um, Taylor Hall and where we think they're going to go, where he's going to go, and where we think Mike Hoffman's going to go. Um, I guess we can start off with Mike Hoffman because you did mention it, um, that there was a report that Mike Hoffman 
might go back to a Canadian team. Um, it's probably not going to be Ottawa, although it would be really funny. Um, no, it would not. It would not. It would be I, pretty funny. Just from an outsider might, perspective, it would be up, really funny. Frankly, if it happens, I might throw up. <laughs> It'd just be really funny from a from an outsider's perspective, because Eric Carlson's not there, um, and it would just be funny. Uh, but I agree, it doesn't make sense from either side, because I I imagine Hoffman wants the Stanley Cup. He's not getting that in Ottawa, um, and um, or at least this year. And Ottawa, yeah, they're in a rebuild, so they they don't need, they don't have a use for Mike Hoffman. But it would just be funny considering the way he went out. The last time, if he goes back to Ottawa, but um, yeah, I could see. I think we mentioned like Toronto would be um, interesting, Montreal as well, um, or um, if he goes to Edmonton, I think that would be the the biggest place because I think like you know I guess this has been the thing for them for a while now is that you know they they have McDavid, they have Drysaddle, the two best players in the league. Um, but they don't really have, like, other depth. I mean, obviously, they have Nugent Hopkins. Yamamoto has had his moments at times. Um, Mike Smith has been, like, really good for them all of a sudden. Um, so so there's that. And Darnell Nurse has kind of had a breakout year. So they kind of need to address maybe they need some more depth um, because Yamamoto hasn't been as good as he was last year. Um, so maybe they just get another guy like Mike Hoffman to – to help them out while Yamamoto figures out some things um, in the meantime. So that could eventually work out for them. Um, maybe Calgary is another team I was thinking of, but um, but who knows? It feels like Calgary has is just a big mess ever since Daryl Sutter got there. Imagine Taylor Hall for Johnny Gaudreau one for one. Oh, that would be, yeah. And Taylor Hall signs an extension right away. <laughs> that would be funny, yeah. Uh, yeah, that could work. Uh, do you have any other thoughts on where Hoffman will go? I think you mentioned Montreal, but uh, any other teams? No. Um, yeah, so we'll talk about Taylor Hall in, in a little bit. Yep. Um, in terms of Mike Hoffman, I got sidetracked a bit. Mike um, Hoffman, I think if Mike Hoffman, or I think if Taylor Hall goes to St. Louis, Mike Hoffman could be involved in a bit of the return because the Blues, if they get Taylor Hall, they're going to have to move some salary around in order to make that happen, especially if they really feel he can help their team uh, beyond this year. Um, so I, I think Mike Hoffman could be going to Buffalo in a Taylor Hall trade. That would that would be my guess, especially mm-hmm. when you still have Tarasenko in the picture. You're not sure what the situation is with Jaden Schwartz. Right. You also have guys like Steen and Bo off the books as well. So you have a bit of salary to move around, I guess. Um, but I, I don't know if Hoffman's a short, if if Hoffman's a long term fit in St. Louis. He can be. He scored some OT winners. He actually got two goals against Minnesota, but he's been scratched a couple of times this year. So again, I don't know if he's going to be a long term fit there. And I can definitely see him being part of the return for a big name like a Taylor Hall, for example. Um, so that's one place. But yeah, Montreal, Edmonton, Toronto. I think either team could use him as depth, especially Edmonton. Um, and they could really strike it rich. Um, there's also guys like Granlund and Halla in Nashville where if the losing team doesn't get Mike Hoffman, they could turn around and get one of those guys from the Preds. But uh, I think Hoffman's probably going to be the hottest power play commodity on the market 
uh, less so than Taylor Hall. I think all around Taylor Hall is probably the best player. But I think in terms of like a game-changing force on the power play, Hoffman could still be that, especially if that's all he's there for. So I think he could definitely thrive in that role. Um, so, yeah, uh, there, there are a couple of places that where think- Mike Hoffman could be a fit, but I think Edmonton, just because of the fit, and Buffalo, if it means Taylor Hall goes to the Blues, because yeah. it seems that appears to be a wild-card favorite that Taylor Hall goes to St. Louis. Yeah, that would be a weird move for Buffalo because it's like I mean I I can understand. <laughs> oh, yeah, I forgot Ryan O'Reilly. Yeah. Well, that yeah, I wasn't even thinking that. I was just thinking because it's like, why would because I ultimately I would imagine the reason why Hoffman would want to go is because, um, because they want to like you know he he feels like there's a better chance of making the playoffs or something, um so like. It wouldn't necessarily make sense for him to go to Buffalo, but I guess I could see it. I was. I don't think he controls his own destiny, though. Oh, does he not? Oh, I thought he had. Like I don't a... think so. No. Oh yeah, I guess that makes sense because he was signed as a PTO and then he, yeah, he didn't have a no trade clause. Okay, yeah, you're right. Maybe that does work. But I thought there was like, wasn't there a report that he's going up north? Like he he's going to Canada. There was like reports that he was going to a Canadian team. And that was highly likely, yes. Yeah. But y- okay. you never know. There could, be, there could be a Jerome McGinley situation where, oh, um, right. yeah, I guess never he's mind. not going to that place. He's going to this place. Right, right, right. Never, like, never mind. You never know. Yeah, yeah. That's it, fair. It, it's likely, doesn't mean it's going to happen, but it's likely that a Canadian team could pick him up. Again, right. fingers True. crossed it's not Ottawa. For, for sure, for sure. Um, and then we'll get to the, the big fish in the sea is taylor hall i'm sorry i did it in a weird way here but um yeah taylor hall ultimately i do want him on the bruins but considering the fact that the sabers and the bruins hate each other i don't think it's going to happen not to mention the fact that he would be a rental um if we could sign him long term i might be okay with it but again it's like taylor hall hasn't really shown anything just yet um, and I think, um, I think Elliot Friedman had mentioned that the Bruins don't want to give up a first round pick again, um, for like two years in a row because they did that last time, um, or last year. So they don't want to like lose too many first round picks, which is fair. There's they, also the Seattle yeah. situation. And the you Seattle know, probably situation. Probably not a good idea to trade right. away your first round pick if you might need it later. Yeah, that's a, That's a good point too. Um, although I doubt. Yeah, I guess it's possible if they want to like protect some of their guys. Um, so and and it would be more likely if they're going to make a move, they're more likely to trade like prospects and stuff. And and who knows? Because now that McAvoy's injured and Grizzlick's injured, their biggest need now is more defensemen. Um, so mm-hmm. so maybe they're in a move for that. I know that Sammy Vatanen's on waivers. Maybe pick him up, Don Sweeney, if you're yeah. listening. Um, so Victor Mede, if they're looking Victor for Victor is another one too. Yeah. Um, yeah. but, um, yeah, so that, that's kind of the, where I'm at with the Bruins is like, it would be great if they could get another winger. They've been wanting one for, for years now. Taylor Hall would be that guy, but on the other hand, and I think this goes for every team that he goes for, you have to consider the fact that one, he's a rental Two, He hasn't been that good um he doesn't deserve to be a first round pick um or you know to be traded for that like yes his hard trophy year that he won it for 
yes, he did deserve it, obviously. But like this year, um, you know, I think it's in- interesting because the reason why he went to Buffalo, presumably, was because he wanted to, um, you know, he was just going to like gel with Eichel, get a, you know, get all these points and then make it big this off season, um, whichever team it was. And if the Sabres stunk, which they most likely were, um, he'd just get traded to a contender. And now I don't think a lot of teams are even interested in Taylor Hall, especially with an 8 million cap hit on a flat cap. There's not too many teams that could even really afford him at this point. Um, unless Buffalo. If, if Austin, Okay, just throwing this out there because I, from what it, from what we've been hearing, Taylor Hall is open to a sign and trade. Right. If Boston gives up a first, but it comes with a Taylor Hall extension, are you okay with that? Uh, Oda, I assume that like we would also be trading a couple of our players, right? As like well. Jake DeBrusque, for example. Jake DeBrusque, yeah. Or oh, I was, I was thinking like Jackson Nicka because I would still yeah. not give up on him. Mm-hmm. Jake DeBrusque, I would be okay with if it was a signing trade like that. Um, I don't know. That's that's kind of tough. I, I think this this past season has, it would depend on term and dollars. Yeah, yeah, though, yeah. Right? Of course, of course. It. it it's see the thing is is that with Taylor Hall it's that like I feel like this season has soured me on him because it's like I you know like like you can take Jack Eichel for instance like the fact that like the Sabres stink but he still had a pretty good year um the past couple times not this year uh excluded but like it's just like the, or like I guess he was okay on Arizona he wasn't like the difference maker in Arizona um so it's just like I feel like uh, like these last couple of years with Taylor Hall it's like is he actually worth that much even if it is a sign and trade uh type thing um but yeah I would be open to it if it's a long-term thing it definitely wouldn't do it if it was just a rental um and if you're giving up that much for it, then I can understand it being a sign trade. Um, I mean, I'd be, I wouldn't complain about it, but I'd also be a little bit wary about it. Where it's like, of course, this didn't work out, and and all that stuff. So it's just, um, it would be a risky move if Don Sweeney did that, but I don't think he's gonna do it. Um, however, I'm trying to think of other teams that might be in on it. Uh, Flyers would be interesting. Rangers maybe. Um. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, Montreal is another one. Uh, maybe Pittsburgh. That would be interesting, too. Um, there's a couple of teams, I guess, could could do it. I'm just looking at teams that have like a lot of cap space and could make a playoff run. The Florida Panthers have some, some room still. Um, although, it seems like a lot of these teams, except for the Devils, have like very little cap space uh, to deal with things. But... You know, maybe if the Sabres retain some of the contract, it could be done, but it would be kind of tough. Um, so, so there's that. But um, yeah, the Rangers would be interesting. Of what happens? They're gonna have to retain salary there. Yep. There's no question. Yeah, for sure. Uh, the Rangers and the Panthers. Oh, what if he goes to the Columbus Blue Jackets? That'd be funny. Um, <laughs> Carolina. 
Carolina is an interesting team too. Um, so yeah, I don't know. I guess I, I I feel like I'm just throwing darts at the wall, but um, yeah, but yeah, I I would love Taylor Hall, but I don't think we're gonna get him. I don't know. I'm 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 kind of like fifty fifty on it. If even if it was a long term type thing, uh, what's what's your take on Taylor Hall? Where do you think he's gonna go? Mm. So just taking a look at uh, the teams he's been linked to, Bruins are one of them. There's also Florida. Minnesota is interesting because Bill Guerin, the GM of the Wild, has already said we're not going to sell the farm at the deadline. And I would think selling the farm would be necessary to get Taylor Hall, or at least half of it, a good chunk of it anyway. And I don't think Minnesota is there yet. When you consider they trade away Jason Zucker before deadline, uh, they traded Marcus Johan- uh, traded Eric Stahl for Marcus Johansson. They had traded Ryan Donato to San Jose. They traded Devin Dubnik to San Jose. So why did we make all those trades and say, hey, let's go all in for Taylor Hall like 14 months later after the last deadline? I don't know. That would, that would just be weird. So I don't think they're really going to be making a splash for a guy like Taylor Hall. Maybe a few little moves here and there. Like, I don't know, getting Ryan to single from Ottawa, I could see them maybe doing that, for example. Like, just little mini moves to bolster their depth, but, like, not really break the bank. Yeah. Because um, I do think Minnesota is good enough to make the playoffs, and I definitely think they could stand to add a couple of depth guys, but I don't think they're going to get a really big name this year. It just wouldn't make sense for them. Toronto, it's interesting because they can put Freddie Anderson on LTIR, do the same with Riley Nash, who they just got for next to nothing from Columbus, and they have $7.75 million in LTIR space to work with, so they could still get Taylor Hall if they really wanted to. And they've already made it pretty clear they're willing to give up a pretty significant prospect, yeah. um, which I can see because, again, guaranteed, I've said it many times, Canadian team will make the Final Four. Toronto could be that team. If they think their team is that good, why not go yeah. for Taylor Hall? Um, so I can definitely see Toronto still making a play. I don't know if he's going to be a fit, but they could still do something. Um, but I think they should be more focused in re-signing Zach Hyman because that's a guy, regardless of what happens with the rest of their roster, they can't afford to lose. Um, and I think where they see their goaltending moving forward, I think is also going to play into what they see in Taylor Hall. Like, are they just going to keep him? Is he going to be a rental? Probably a rental. Okay. Well, what are we going to give up for a rental? Because I don't see Taylor Hall signing extension with the Leafs because right. they 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 already have four guys making ten plus million per year. Like they're not going to even add a guy that's making seven or eight million per season. It, it's just illogical to me. And then there's also two teams that really intrigue me. St. Louis is one because I don't know if they're a right fit for Taylor Hall, but they really seem to want Taylor Hall, and they've shown interest in Taylor Hall in the past. I kind of think St. Louis could be that team to watch out for. The final team is Edmonton. This is something that will break the internet. If Taylor Hall returns to Edmonton, and I'm not saying Adam Larson's going the other way. I don't think it's going to happen this time. But it's an interesting dynamic because Edmonton, you look at guys that Buffalo would want. They have two young defensemen in Philip Broberg and Evan Bouchard. Maybe Buffalo wants one of them. 
they have a Jesse Pugliarby they could offer Buffalo, who is a former top five pick. Maybe, maybe Buffalo would like that in their lineup. There's also guys like, I don't know, Brian Nugent Hopkins, who's on the last year of his contract going to be a free agent himself. If they can't extend him, it would not shock me if the Oilers say, okay, we'll get Taylor Hall and we'll get him signed to a contract extension and we'll give you Nugent Hopkins. I wonder if Buffalo takes that. I don't know if straight up one for one Taylor Hall for R and H, but I can see that this would be a crazy scenario. Yeah. But I could see a scenario where if Ryan Nugent Hopkins doesn't want to stay in Edmonton and they can't get something done, but Taylor Hall wants to come back, it would not shock me if Ryan Nugent Hopkins gets sent to Buffalo and the Oilers get their guy. They get Taylor Hall back. So that Edmonton and Buffalo hooking up in that trade would be absolutely that that would be absolutely bananas to me if, if that happened. I don't know how realistic it is. But that would definitely break the internet if those two teams hooked up on a Taylor Hall trade. Yeah. And I, I, I'm kind of low-key hoping it happens now. I could, yeah, I could actually see that happening. I don't think it's going to be for R&H, but I could see maybe like one of those, like Philip Roberg or even Evan Bouchard or something like that. I could see that happening. But um, the, the other thing that Edmonton has to consider, though, when they're making that trade is their goaltending beyond yeah. this year. And also Tyson Berry. Like, do they want to keep Tyson Berry, find some cap space to keep him around because of the amazing year that he's been having on the Oilers' blue line? Like, he's been just absolutely amazing for them. Like, top three, top five defensive scoring. Been a huge power play threat with with Seidel and McDavid, which is great. Um, And then you also look at their goaltending situation, honestly – Mike Smith might be on some kind of a roll right now. Yep. If the Oilers think they can do this with Koskinen and Mike Smith next year, they're out of their mind. I think Mike uh, Mike Smith is a good goaltender. He's nearing 40. You can't expect this type of play to continue beyond this year. I don't think Miko Koskinen is the legit starter that this team needs. He could be a solid 1B for them, but I don't think he's the starter. And I think in free agency, you need to get a guy like either Freddie Anderson or Philip Grubauer. Yep. Or someone that can, that's like in their mid to late 20s, early 30s, that can get you some goaltending beyond next year. And they need to make sure they have the salary cap to do that. So the goaltending next year and the future of Tyson Berry on the Oilers' blue line is going to play a huge role as to whether or not it makes sense to keep Taylor Hall. Because I don't even make sense to keep Ryan Nugent Hopkins for those two reasons, because of the financial commitments they're going to have to make to get that done. I don't know if they can balance it. So that's that's the main thing why I would have to do a double take and say, okay, should they? maybe they could trade for Taylor Hall, but really should they trade for Taylor Hall, you know? Yeah. Well, it was like I was mentioning when I was talking about Mike Hoffman to Edmonton. It's like I could see it happening because of, um, uh, you know, they have McDavid and Drysdale. It seems like, you know, they have good goaltending at least this year. I understand what you're saying. Maybe not in the future, but at least this year they have good goaltending. Um, so, 
So yeah, you just run with it and, and hope for the best. But if that's Mike Hoffman or if that's Taylor Hall, then that, that could work out for them. Um, the other, so, um, the other thing that I remember way back when, when there was like, who could Taylor Hall go for, um, uh, was the Colorado Avalanche. Um, that was another team where I was, um, interested, um, in, and I feel like that could be like, that would be like, like, like if, if Colorado wasn't scary already, if they add Taylor Hall that, um, you know, just might as well give them the cup then, um, that would be a. That would be a game changer for them. Yeah, um, and I definitely think yeah. Colorado is a, is a team that they could add just because of again the prospects, yep. the forwards, the defense, yeah, depth and they, they have, have enough room to do that. Yeah, for sure. At the same time, Landis Cog is going to be a free agent soon, and then in a couple of years, McKinnon's going to be a free yep. agent, and you also have Grubauer and the goaltending to worry about. True. Again, it's the same situation with the Oilers. But where, if it's a okay, rental, I don't okay, know. Okay, we get Taylor Hall, and maybe. Maybe, yeah, it could be a long-term fit here. But again, how are we going to make everything else work? Sure. So I definitely think that's the dynamics and the conversations that Joe Sackick's going to have before pulling the trigger on this deal if it happens. Well, if it's a rental, I think it's fine. But yeah, I, yeah, I, think... I think if it's a rental, for sure. But is he a long-term fit with the ads? That's a question. And that sure. could also impact uh, the potential return. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, so before we go, there, there's... Uh, three things oh i have i guess there's two things actually uh one uh we do have a trade uh, but it's not a taylor hall trade um (laughs) it's uh nicholas delorier is going from anaheim to pittsburgh Uh, this is according to elliot friedman but um (laughs) it's unclear who anaheim has back but it is funny because it's like pittsburgh gets another fourth liner um, I don't understand it. <laughs> you see the Burke truculence yeah, right there. Basically, that's yeah. the Burke truculence we've been waiting for. Yeah, okay, yeah, so for sure. you said Nick Delorier to Pittsburgh for who? Well, we haven't. We haven't. Uh, it's, it's unclear about the return. Okay, but we know that Delorier is going to the Penguins. Okay. We know that Delorier is going to the Penguins. I thought but, they were. I thought they were trading to get back at Branson again. Oh, that would be funny. But yeah, no, it's. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it's. Uh, yeah, you're right. I forgot about the Brian Burke scenario, but um, yeah, it's unclear about who uh, the Ducks are getting back. But um, yeah, I wonder who it could be. Um, and then um, the other news is Frank Cervelli, who mentioned that Nick Foligno um, is on um, is on the trading block, and there are multiple teams that have put a first round pick on the table for him to, uh, for Yarmo to consider. Um, he, he clarifies and says that he believes the Leafs, the Avs, and the Caps are among the teams willing to part with their first-round pick to get Nick Foligno. Uh, the, Leafs in, the, the Leafs would be interesting if they got Nick Foligno, because that would be like, like, a, like speaking of Brian Burke, that would be back to their truculence-type, uh, grittiness-type thing, because Nick Foligno is kind of a pretty good power forward, and that would be interesting if he goes to the Leafs. Um, What's and, also yeah. interesting is that his dad, Mike Foligno, once upon a time played for the Leafs. Uh, in fact, I during their that. 1993 uh, run to the conference finals, he was a part of that team. Interesting. Um, and then the Avs and the um, Capitals are also in on Nick Foligno as well. Um, so, I feel like if, if the Avs get Foligno, does that mean they're out on Taylor Hall? Probably. I would imagine whoever gets Nick Foligno, it's they're not they're yeah. not getting um, Taylor Hall. 
Um, kind of like the same with, I feel like the Islanders aren't getting Taylor Hall just because they got Kyle Palmieri. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, so, so that about does it for us here at the, uh, Lace Them Up. Our, you can catch us on SoundCloud, um, and iTunes and Spotify, um, you know, subscribe to us there. Um, our Twitter is Lace Them Podcast. Our Facebook is Lace Them Up. Um, and that's about it. I'm Brett Duboff. I'm Steve Ellsworth. Enjoy the trade deadline. We'll talk again in episode 265 of the Lace Them Up Podcast.